Today on Peace Talks Radio, the story of the peace symbol, with the circle and the line down the middle and the two little short lines coming down from the center. The girl behind the counter looked at me and said, what is that badge that you are wearing? That is the new peace symbol, I said. Are there many of them? No, only one, but I expect there will be quite a lot before long. We'll hear from Ken Colesbun, who co-authored the book Peace, the Biography of a Symbol. His name was Gerald Holtum. He was an Englishman around 40 years old. He created this very simple symbol. Many marchers carry the symbol of the campaign for nuclear disarmament, the semaphore signal ND. We'll also hear a little bit about the marketing of the peace symbol. You see it on youth fashion all the time. Next thing you knew, you'd walk into Walmart and you saw a peace sign and you knew that you know, there'd been some kind of sea change there. That's today on Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. This is Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. Whether it's the search for inner peace or learning how to resolve conflicts we have with others, in our families, workplaces, communities, or between nations, we consider it here on Peace Talks Radio. We also explore the science and history of peacemaking, which is where our focus lands today. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, and this time we look at the history and marketing of the peace symbol. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's so easy to draw. The circle, then the vertical line through the middle, and the two little lines branching out and down from the middle line. Show this to most anyone who knows a language and is, I don't know, at least four years of age and up. Say, what's that? And most will say, peace. In fact, speaking of four years and up, just visit your local primary or secondary school and you'll see the peace symbol everywhere. On shirts, shorts, backpacks, rings, necklaces, earrings, and pendants. Mostly it's a girl's fashion statement, as I found out when I went to one of the largest retail stores around, to check out the peace symbol merchandise. Here I am, uh, just entered the uh, young girls department, and I'm looking right now at a purple tank top. Looks like it could be worn by about a seven-year-old with an enormous peace sign. There's actually one big peace sign on it, and then a couple of small ones and a couple of hearts. Green hearts are all inside the peace sign. The uh, shirt sells for $6.97. Here's another tank top that is loaded with the word peace, 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 hearts, and the peace sign. Although one of these peace signs looks more like a Mercedes-Benz sign. Wonder, well, that's, that's the O in love, but it's uh, not the peace sign. wonder how that got past quality control. Again, I just have to turn around and see another display here. More Faded Glory merchandise. Peace symbols amidst watermelon and strawberries. I would say these are for five and six-year-old kids. Another rack has t-shirts, extra small t-shirts for kids. This one says peace, love, and music, and there's lots of glitter on it. Hearts, peace signs, and uh, music notes. Again, $4.88. I'm in the boys' section, and uh, I'm not seeing any peace sign merchandise. I'm seeing Scooby-Doo, and I'm seeing uh, Thor, 
and I'm seeing rock guitars, and I'm seeing American flags, and Star Wars. Where's, where would you say teen girls and teen boys is? Girls, the teens will be on that side by the women. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, great. Thank you. Here's a rack of t-shirts for teenage girls, and the very first one that I see is a huge heart that's made up of um, about 30 peace symbols. This shirt design changes color when exposed to sunlight. Quite as much peace merchant. No, no, wait, spoke too soon. Third shirt in this rack is a uh, sort of a paisley peace design made by Real Stitch. And here's a display rack, um, t-shirt for $5.47. The very top one on the stack is a peace symbol which is made up of the words love, hope, love, peace, stars, hearts, and peace signs. Sort of a tank top. Like in the little boy section, I looked in the male teen section and saw exactly zero peace symbols there. I'll let you work on why peace symbols seem to be targeted only to girls on your own. In any case, one has to wonder what the man who designed the peace symbol, Gerald Holtham, would think if he took the same tour I just took. Gerald Holtham was an Englishman living in London in the mid-1950s when he and many of his fellow citizens became concerned about the development of nuclear weapons by their own government in the aftermath of the dropping of such bombs on Japan by the U.S. and its allies to end World War II only a few years before. In April of 1958, a ban-the-bomb protest march was planned to move from London to Aldermaston, where nuclear weapons planning was taking place in Britain. A direct action committee was formed, and shortly before the march, this graphic artist and textile designer, Gerald Holtham, appeared to the committee. He comes knocking on their door and says, you know, I think it's important that we design some graphics um, that identifies your group. This is Ken Colesman, who co-wrote the book Peace, the Biography of a Symbol. His name was Gerald Holtham. He was an Englishman, around 40 years old, and uh, he created this very simple symbol, and he got the, the Direct Action Committee approval for it. And the march started April 4th, 1958. 5,000 people gathered in London, and it was a four-day march to Aldermaston. And that was the beginning. And Gerald Holtham's first design, I read in your book, was was a cross, but that churches resisted the idea of him using a cross. Yeah, he first went to the uh, the Christian churches, and they uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with the march. He thought a cross would work, but then uh, since they they didn't uh, approve of what he was doing, he came. He took the uh, cross and just kind of dropped the arms on it and drooped the arms and came up with this design and uh, put a circle around it. And it just so happened that uh, they were, it turned out to be semaphore letters. The, the drooping arms stood for N in semaphore letters, semaphore language, and the vertical line D for uh, disarmament, nuclear disarmament. But it's your understanding that he worked these two concepts at the same time, the idea of a, a drooping cross, per se, and the semaphore language. Correct. 
Holtam seemed to think this thing through and even predict how well it would do as an emblem for a movement, uh, showing well in marches and on uh, TV and film, didn't he? He sure did, and I want to read you something that uh, he wrote me in uh, the mid-'70s. This is right when he uh, created the symbol, and I'll read what he wrote. He said, The validity and certainty of this symbol was immediately fixed in my mind. In the morning, I made a drawing of it on a small piece of paper the size of a sixpence and pinned it on to my jacket and forgot it. Then he said, In the evening, I went to the post office. The girl behind the counter looked at me and said, What is that badge that you are wearing? I looked down in some surprise and saw the ND symbol pinned on my lapel. I felt rather strange and uneasy wearing a badge. I didn't like badges and had always avoided wearing them. Oh, that is the new peace symbol, I said. How interesting. Are there many of them? He says, no, only one, but I expect there will be quite a lot before long. Yes, and he probably wasn't even thinking as far into the future. (laughs) Could you open your book to page 41 and read a little bit about the march? Okay, here we are. Nearing Aldermaston's Atomic Wesson's research plant, the Corps marchers were joined by hundreds more who came by foot, car, and bus. Everyone arrived in complete silence. Thousands more lined the road to show their support. Describing the historic event in the in the April 17, 1965 edition of the Saturday Review, Norman Moss wrote, By the end of the march on Easter Monday, 10,000 people were standing in a wet and chilly field opposite the barbed wire perimeter of the Aldermaston plant to hear the speeches. Something new had happened. The Ban the Bomb movement in Britain was a unique phenomenon and an important one. There had been nothing else like it anywhere else in the world. It is a special product of the British circumstance and the British conscience. So on Easter Monday, we left Reading for Aldermaston, where the bombs are made. The march seemed endless now, bigger than we dared to hope, big enough to make even a politician think. A clip from a British TV documentary marking the 50th anniversary of the 1958 march, with commentary from back then and interviews with people marching again as they had 50 years before. If anybody had told us we'd be here again in 50 years, we'd have thought that was uh, impossible. I must admit, I didn't expect to be here 50 years on from the beginning. This is my mother, Hetty Bauer. She's 102 years old. She's been on most of the Aldermaston marches since they started. And Holdham's peace sign showed up in that march, not only on uh, banners, but on, uh, I guess, what became to be known as lollipops. Can you describe those? During the march, uh, uh, Holdham had designed these lollipops, and these were the symbol probably a a foot wide on stakes. The people carried these with them, and it was very, very, very graphic. So, you know, something about the symbol, it's so so easy to identify it. And this, you know, he, as a graphic artist, he could see the power of this and how it could be set in people's minds. 
But anyway, they looked like a lollipop, and uh, it was a very effective way of communicating the message. In the book, we show the, that very famous photograph by Larry, uh, Life magazine, Larry Burroughs. He took that photograph, and you can see all these thousands of people gathered, and they're holding these uh, 30, 40-foot-long banners that, sh that said uh, nuclear disarmament and, and with the peace symbol. Well, that photograph uh, was interesting because it showed up in our Life magazine about... Ten days later, and that's how the symbol got over to America. Many marchers carry the symbol of the campaign for nuclear disarmament. The semaphore signal ND. They are pledged to the common cause of mankind. Each, by marching, denies the growing fear that the people of the world are mere puppets, incapable of influencing events by their personal actions. They know that a nuclear war will mean suicide for Britain. That nuclear weapons are no defense. That there can be no victors, only vanquished. They march for Britain to give a lead to the nations of the world. They ask for an act of greatness. Now, I was intrigued by the description of another item that Holtam and Another artist came up with for uh, a march uh, slightly later on. The small white ceramic discs. Yeah, that was really quite interesting. Uh, I can read that part. Uh, th this, I think, was a, an incredible idea. It reads, a few months after the 1958 march, Holter met ceramic artist Eric Austin. For the second Aldermaston March in 1959, now run by the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament, Eric made some small white ceramic discs on which he painted the peace symbol in black slip, then fired them and attached pins with adhesive on the back side. The badges were distributed bearing a frightening message, quote, in the event of a nuclear war, these fired po pottery badges would be among the few human artifacts to survive the nuclear inferno. We stood in silence to dedicate the march. We stood for a minute in silence, as we used to stand on Armistice Day. For we were standing for Hiroshima and Nagasaki, where 200,000 people were condemned to death in our name. How did your communication with uh, Gerald Holtum, the designer of the peace sign, come about in the mid-1970s? My wife and I went to uh, marches in the late 60s, and I was photographing the symbols. Since I was a landscape architect, I, was from, I liked symbols. And the more I shot, uh, photographed, the more I became interested in the symbol. And I began to do some research on it and ultimately found that uh, he was a designer living in in England. So I put together my first manuscript in the early 70s, and by uh, I had accumulated a lot more information. And then in the mid-70s, I, I found out where he lived, and I sent the manuscript to him, and he critiqued it, gave me a lot of more information. That's the first time I got to know him. I never met him personally, but later on, of course, I got more information. He had died uh, 10 years later 
and uh, I was in touch with his, through his second marriage, his uh, son Darius and daughter Rebecca, and in turn they provided we provided me a lot of photographs, some of which are in the book here, and uh, information, his diaries, notes, personal notes. And that all this information ultimately went, a lot of it went into this current book. So he was quite a person. I really wish I had known him. He was, you know, a philosopher, an artist, creative thinker. He was, uh, you know, I really, I think I, I idolize him. Holtam started calling the peace symbol a despair symbol. Uh, why do you suppose he did that? I believe it was that he could see ahead that unless we got this nuclear thing under control, it's it really felt uh, helpless. He just felt almost hopeless at times. Did that lead to his late-in-life suggestion that the peace symbol be inverted? I think his original thoughts were actually uh, unilateral nuclear disarmament, and then if you just take the U— and the D, and flip the symbol upside down, that that was his original thoughts, unilateral nuclear disarmament. I read in your book, Ken, that he had a wish to uh, have his headstone engraved with the inverted peace symbol, but it never came about, did it? Right. It was To me, that was a sad event, and I tried to find out from the family what happened there. You know, someone probably dropped the ball on it, but at least the... The symbol did get on there, but of course, you know, he was re- reverting back to his original thought of uh, unilateral disarmament. Ken Colesman, uh, Gerald Holtam certainly lived long enough to see a symbol proliferate. Uh, do you know how he felt about it, seeing it all over the world and in so many contexts? Well, I know uh, he was certainly happy about it, but... Uh, I don't have anything in writing from him that specifically says he was jumping with joy, but I know he was, you know, such a peace man that he, he I'm sure he was very happy about it. And, you know, thinking of uh, the symbol, I call it the chameleon-like symbol because it kept, you know, originally it was uh, anti-nukes uh, and then it went to anti-war, the Vietnam War, then the Greenpeace picked it up and used a symbol and added their little bit to it, and civil rights, uh, the Women's Strike for Peace, all these organizations, uh, even re- more recently Code Pink have has used a symbol. And so I don't know if he thought back then if that many people, or that many organizations would pick it up and use it, but it certainly proved to be a very powerful image. Ken Colesman is the co-author, along with Mike Sweeney, of Peace, the Biography of a Symbol, from National Geographic Press. I'm Paul Ingalls, and you're listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. We'll have more with Ken Colesman later on some other interesting, little-known facts and historic moments involving the peace symbol. Next, though, a woman who put the peace symbol on everything she could think of in the days leading up to the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq in the early 2000s when Peace Talks Radio continues right after this break.
listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution, with all of our episodes dating back to 2002 online at peacetalksradio.com. Visit the archive anytime. I'm sure you'll find a program of special interest to you. And give us your feedback on this or any show anytime by emailing us at info at peacetalksradio.com. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, and today we're learning the history of the ubiquitous peace symbol, designed by Gerald Holtam in 1958 for a nuclear disarmament march, and used throughout history since to remind people of the hope for peace. Lee Golterman runs an organization called Peace Please that creates and sells peace symbol merchandise. Her after-expenses profits go to support peace causes. Golterman says she'd done the corporate thing and was in 2001 in the process of trying to figure out how to use the Internet to promote peace. She had visited the Middle East in that effort and was actually supposed to fly home to New York on September 11, 2001. Of course, her flight and everyone else's was canceled that day, but she finally did get home a few days later. After September 11th and with the Afghan war and such, all of a sudden the drums were beating for Iraq. So I was out protesting just as an individual, and I realized that all the uh, signs uh, were quite angry, uh, you know, um, using expletives and such. And I thought, you know, if we want to do something positive, if we want to create peace or stop a war, we need to get some positive messages out there. So I put Peace Please on the front and created a shirt, one with a Jefferson quote and one with the, uh, the earth on it with a peace symbol over it. And um, people responded to them. I think, like, like me, they were looking for some positivity out there in a kind of a dark time. What was that Jefferson quote? Uh, the Jefferson quote said, Peace and friendship with all mankind is our wisest policy, and I wish that we may be, be permitted to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Nice. When I made those shirts, I remember one rally, I think we sold uh, 600 shirts in about two hours. I think, you know, there was just a, a, a dearth of anything that people, you know, could, could, could bring out with that kind of uh, symbol, with that, me- with that message. Well, I'm looking at your website and some of the items you've offered through the years, T-shirts that say, peace is active, peace is a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one that says, let's try peace with the peace symbol and the white dove, uh, peace over the over the globe, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Israeli-Palestinian flags that uh, say, support sanity, justice, peace, life. Mm-hmm. War off, peace on. You've had some fun with this, it looks like. <laughs> we have, we have. Uh, you know, over time, over time, just different messages seem to resonate, uh, you know, depending on what was going on. So, you know, we have our kind of a Peace Army shirt that says war is not the way. And, you know, some of those other shirts that you mentioned, um, you know, just trying to get different message messages out at different times. I remember when we did one uh, in English and Arabic, Arabic, which just said enough. And, uh, you know, at that point, I think that was probably five years on into the war. It was just, you know, we were all feeling just, you know, like we were banging our heads on the wall a little bit and uh, nothing was happening and I think that that brought out the frustration and uh, you know it was a hugely hugely popular shirt at that moment yeah well of course there's t-shirts and bumper stickers and buttons I'm looking at your website I don't know if all these items are still available but uh, you've had an indoor outdoor peace light a peace tote bag mirror art uh, necklaces and pendants and uh, sterling rings what have been top sellers Oh, geez, you know, the the peace light is hugely popular. Uh, I remember people would keep sending me emails and say, you know, we're we're trying to find a peace light, what can we do? And I would always instruct them to take, you know, a hanger and take some some lights and string it around it. And finally, 
you know, after about a couple of years of that, I said, I think we need to do something to, uh, you know, make it easier for folks. So we introduced the light and uh, as an LED and low electricity usage, it's uh, it's been hugely popular. But, uh, you know, simply the sterling pendants, it's interesting that back when I started this, you know, I would walk the uh, New York trade show just trying to find a peace symbol. And at that time, about 2002, 2003, I think there was one in the whole place. And that's, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of vendors in there. Uh, so, you know, we we had to end up making a lot of these things that you'll see on the site because there just was nothing out there. Who was wearing your products and using your products primarily? Uh, you know, it's really different, uh, you know, depending on uh, on what you're doing. You know, we've had sales uh, really in in every state uh, throughout the country and in, in tens of countries around the world. So uh, who's the average customer? You know, if you go to the rallies, we're selling to from kids to uh, elderly folks. Uh, you know, the T-shirts are, are really uh, eaten up by everyone. So uh, I, I, it's a broad audience, but... I have to say, just from uh, anecdotal, uh, a lot of grandmas call in for their kids uh, or for their grandkids and are, are looking for something for their, um, you know, bracelets or necklaces or such for, for the children who are, are looking uh, for peace items. So, mm-hmm. And who makes this stuff? Uh, a lot of it is made here in, in the States. We try and use local vendors as best we can. Uh, we've got some artisans in upstate New York uh, that are making, you know, hand-carved uh, peace symbols. We've got a, uh, a family that makes uh, necklaces and pendants out of the Woodstock peace fence, the actual Woodstock peace fence. Uh, We've uh, the the lights unfortunately are made in China. We couldn't find an American company to uh, to make them for us without subcontracting it to to China. But uh, as best we can, we try and we try and uh, use local vendors. And over the years, have you made some profit after paying the vendors and the artisans? Uh, uh, how how profitable has it been, and what have you done with your profits? Right. Uh, it's, it's, you know, as I always say, you know, we're not in the war business. If we were in the war business, we'd be making money hand over fist. So in the peace business, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a harder sell. But, uh, you know, we make some money mostly. We're a not just for profit. So basically, we're kind of like a Robin Hood for peace. What we, what we, bring, what we bring in, uh, we give out again to, uh, to organizations organizations that are out there promoting peace or working for peace. So uh, it's not something we do for the money. It's not something you can really subsist on, but it's, uh, it's something that we hope, you know, helps, helps the cause out there by uh, giving money to groups that are, you know, doing good work out there. They say the same thing about public radio. You know that saying, there's hundreds of dollars to be made in public radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's similar to that, I, I'd have to say, but uh, it definitely feels good for the soul. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. You told me earlier that sales of your peace symbol items trended down after some years. Uh, when did that mm-hmm. happen and why do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it happened in 2008, and it really was dual reasons. I think, you know, that's about when the economy started to, uh, you know, go southwards a little bit. So just like any kind of store, you know, I guess you could call Peace Please a store uh, in one sense, uh, our sales were hit. So so that was one effect, and I think it was also about 2008 that Peace became 
uh, fashionable. You know, the peace sign was on everything. You know, it, it back in the day, as I say, you couldn't find a peace symbol uh, to save your life. Uh, you know, more or less. And then uh, you next thing you knew, you'd walk into Walmart and you saw a peace sign, and you knew that you know, there'd been some kind of sea change there. So that's okay. You know, I mean, obviously, from a business point of view, it wasn't good for us. But it was great to see uh, just in the in a societal sense that uh, the peace was really becoming visible out there. What do you think is behind then the peace symbol being marketed in fashion to to young people, especially young girls, I'd say? Right. Um, you know what? I, I have to think that really it came from the kids. I, I was speaking to some friends in fashion, and it was the it was the children's clothes where the peace symbol first, you know, started being used. You know, it wasn't really the adult clothes so much, although there were always some 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 companies like Lucky Jeans or or such that had used the peace symbol. But uh, it really started with the kids' clothes, and it, we really see from ourselves that for the children, the peace the peace symbol means something, and it's really internalized. And I think as the company started maybe getting the feedback that children were interested in peace, it just it really just took off. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, as I say, I, my feeling is it kind of stemmed from the children. It rose from the children and then uh, just went out from there. Well, let's explore that a little bit. What do you think that means? What What are the kids trying to say by gravitating toward a peace sign? Uh, you know, it's it's. I think the kids really understand the concept of 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 peace, and and you know, if you look at this generation right now, any any child that's uh, say twelve, eleven, ten years ten years old has never lived in our country uh, at peace. You know, we've always been at war uh, since uh, you know Afghanistan. So, I think somehow they look at the peace symbol as uh, as as a symbol of what they want in this world. And uh, you know, if you talk to the younger generation, they really. You know, they they really say, "I want peace." You know, this is this is the lifestyle we're looking for. This is this is what I hear. You chose this term, "peace, please." Mm-hmm. What uh, was motivating your thinking? You said something about the uh, sort of angry tone. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it was the it was the. Uh, the rhythm of it that I appreciated. And, uh, you know, over over time, some people have said to me, you know, kind of really the hardcore activists have said, you know, we love what you do. We like your we like your slogans or we like, you know, your wording. But, you know, we just don't like that, please. And, you know, I, I always say that, you know, when when I was growing up, when my mom said, please, you know, she meant it. Well, in our house, when kids say please, they get what they ask for. There you go. Well, let's let's hope that, uh, <laughs> you know, sooner or later, the powers that be uh, start paying attention to us. It's, uh, you know, it's long due time now. And uh, yeah, let's let's hope. Let's hope. Lee Golterman runs Peace Please, a peace apparel company whose profits go to peace organizations. In a moment, more with Ken Colesman, author of the book Peace, the Biography of a Symbol. We'll hear some other intriguing stories over time about the peace symbol when we return on Peace Talks Radio after this break.
More now with Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution, and occasionally a little peacemaking history. I'm Paul Ingalls, and today the history of the peace symbol, the one that Englishman Gerald Holtham designed in 1958 for a nuclear disarmament march in Britain. The circle with the line down the middle and the two short lines coming down from the center. Ken Colesman, who co-authored the book Peace, the Biography of a Symbol, told us how Holtham combined the notions of a broken cross and the semaphore shapes of the letters N-D to come up with the symbol that the world has come to know so well. Ken Colesman is talking to us from the radio studios of KRCB near his home in Forestville, California. Ken, so the peace symbol originated in Britain, but soon came to be a part of peace actions in the U.S. in the early 1960s. You described some of the coverage of the uh, movements in Britain that reached the United States through Life magazine. Your book then goes on to track the milestones of peace activism, and the uh, many, many fine illustrations confirm that the peace symbol was always there. Is there any way to explain why this symbol was so universally accepted? Um, you know, no one ever said, you know, we could do better, let's try something else. Well, I guess it's, a, the, for one thing, the power of the symbol itself. It's very, very simple, uh, three little lines in a circle, uh, very easy to remember, to, to draw. And, of course, it soon became, you know, during the anti-Vietnam uh, War as the peace sign. And I think everyone really wants peace, so that just naturally moved into these other movements. Uh, it's I think it's fascinating to know, here it is, our book came out on the 50th anniversary and it's known worldwide. Uh, not many symbols like that. Of course, you can think of uh, uh, the swastika, which once was the Greek and Indian peace sign, and how it was taken over by uh, in Germany by Hitler, and and th- that brings up a point of: is it possible where some organization, some political movement, could take the current peace symbol and turn it into uh, just the opposite of what it stands for? I, you know, you never know what can happen. But uh, right now, I think it's pretty well, pretty solid in most people's minds that it's a positive force. Well, there were some efforts to to ban the symbol, weren't there, in certain countries? Yes, South Africa. And, of course, in this country, in the late 60s, the uh, John Perch Society, I thought this was a fascinating story where they saw it as a sign of the devil, the uh, footprint of American chicken, they called it. In their magazine, and this was in the late 60s, uh, They, in their magazine called um, American Opinion, that they had one of the writers write a 16-page story about the, uh, this funny symbol. And uh, they concluded some very strange things, like Bertrand Russell was the one behind it that designed it, and of course it was all false. Well, what happened when that came out, the New York Times did a, a story and talked to the the, the main person at the, the, Birch, the John Birch Society, and they found out that the, uh, when this article went out that 
the, the society had 200,000 requests for the, a reprint of the article. Well, on a personal level, I got a call from a letter from my wife's aunt in South Dakota, and she knew I was doing this study on the peace somewhat, and she sends me this flyer that she received from her church describing essentially what the what the Birch Society had said, that it's a sign of the devil, the witch's foot. And, she, you know, she said, hey, Ken, is this true or not? And I, I said, of course not, it isn't true. And so, anyway, today, some people still believe that it's a sign of the devil, the witch's foot. And, in fact, I think on Wikipedia, there's some misinformation about the symbol. Yeah, they're given a cloth made out of ceramic clay, you know, big clay, and it's turned upside down, and they take the crossbars, and they break as Ken suggests, there are still websites and videos on the internet that try to make an association between witchcraft rituals and the peace symbol. You are free from the bondage of the Christian church, and because of this act, you shall have peace evermore. Thus, the peace sign. It's called a broken cross. So we're happy to get this book out because it sets the information straight. Let's talk about some of those interesting cases detailed in your book involving the peace symbol. Some of them that stood out for me that I'd like for you to recount for our listeners. One is the Tinker case from 1965. What can you tell us about that? Well, this was quite interesting, the Tinker case. Uh, Mary Beth Tinker, uh, she was an eighth grade uh, at a uh, junior high in Des Moines, Iowa. Well, the, the parents uh, had... Uh, gone to uh, a march, and they were, uh, you know, they were in the protest of the Vietnam War. And then uh, in support, uh, they the kids got together and made these armbands with a peace symbol on it and wore it on their arms and went to school, and the, the school administrator said, no, you can't do that. So, it, you know, it finally went to the lower courts and they ruled against him, and then it finally got to the U.S. Supreme Court, I, th I think it was like uh, by 1970. And the Supreme Court, uh, of course, turned it around. It was very, very important. And I'll, and I'll read exactly what the main judge says, Harry uh, Blackman. He says, a person who gets from a symbol the meaning he puts into it and what is one man's comfort and inspiration is another man's jest and scorn. So I thought it was a, a pretty good ruling, and I think it was very important because it's, you know, freedom of speech here. So a little while back, my siblings and I went to a church event that was on a regional level. We stumbled onto a YouTube video hosted by a teenage girl named Rebecca in 2008, whose story reminded us of the Tinker case. But the fact is, at the end of the week, there was a talent show, and my brother and sister and I performed a song wearing these, peace signs. And we honestly didn't think anything of it. If you've looked around lately, the peace sign has actually become kind of trendy. You know, everyone's wearing it, even if they aren't political at all. Obviously, my siblings and I are anti-war, but we wore them because we liked the shirts, not because we were trying to make a political statement. That, however, was apparently irrelevant. During an interlude in the program, um, I noticed that an older leader of another group of kids was very rudely talking to my brother, confronting him. I think what he said was, I just want to know why you're obsessed with the 60s. That was a very bad time, and, and uh, the peace sign is really an occult symbol, and that sort of thing. And my brother very politely answered back, and answered that it was a myth, that it was an occult symbol. 
I believe that the peace sign is not an inverted cross, but rather a symbol of nuclear disarmament, which I believe the facts support me on that one. And it kind of ended there. And I sort of assumed that was the whole thing. Um, I was irritated, but, you know, that wasn't the root of any sort of big problem that I saw. And little did I know that apparently it was a huge problem. I'm just now finding out that my siblings and I have been the topic of conversation among group leaders from state to state, several states over. Apparently, this was so offensive that it's warranted emails, apologies on our behalf. I can't even think about it without getting angry. We actually tried to get in touch with Rebecca, inviting her to update us on her story. But by the time we finished the program, we had not heard back. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that I don't really think that it was the symbol that these people were upset at. Also, in the early 70s, a couple of companies tried to patent the symbol. It's very important to know that that was an unsuccessful effort. I think that was one of the most fascinating things. Of, 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 there's so many interesting stories about the peace symbol, but here's the shoe manufacturer. Yeah, they wanted to uh, get a trademark on this symbol. Many, many people wrote to the trademark office and said, hey, you, you, you can't allow that. I guess the, the shoe manufacturer felt like putting the symbol on a shoe or on the underside. I don't know, but it was rejected. But there was something that uh, the trademark examining officer uh, said that was just outrageous. And, and unfortunately, this didn't get into the book, but I'll just read what he, he said. He says, if this were the accepted symbol of the Quakers or any organized religious sect, which is absolutely pacifist, we would not register it. But it's a far cry from the use that used by the hippie movement, those who flaunt all of the conventions of organized society. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thought there. So it's in public domain. You know, Anyone can use it. It's totally free, and that's uh, pretty good. Well, after 9-11, use of the peace symbol again became a flashpoint between war supporters and war resistors. Weren't there even some challenges again to some uses and displays of the symbol in more recent years? Uh, Certainly there was one, uh, and it's not in my book, but I think it happened in Colorado about uh, two, three years ago where this... um, couple, they were celebrating Christmas and they had their wreath out there in the shape of a of a uh, peace symbol. And in their residential development area, there was a, a group that was opposed to it. And there were, there were, pressure was put on them to take it down. Well, uh, eventually uh, the, the couple went out on it. But, you know, uh, you'll get these objections from people that really don't know what the symbol truly stood for. Uh, Ken Colesman, I went online for just a little bit last night, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and it didn't take long for me to see the peace symbol on this list. T-shirts, earrings, bracelets, pendants, jackets, lunch sacks, baby clothes, slippers, swimsuits, socks, belt buckles, handbags, dresses, shoes, pillows, sheets, comforters, hats, nightgowns, and dog harnesses. Now, I know why companies make peace fashion, as it's been come to be called, but why do people wear so much peace fashion, do you think? 
Well, I think they associate it with peace, you know, and everyone wants that. It's simple. It's, it's, uh, I think it's at the point that it's accepted by society. At one point, it wasn't. You know, early in the days, uh, it was not accepted. Uh, but today, it's a safe thing. You find the symbol on so many places, it's, it's just absolutely shocking. The other day, a friend sent me a, a, a picture of, this one was a, a, a peace symbol walker. It was from Vanity, uh, Vanity Fair. Uh, it was It's a walker, I guess, intended for baby boomers now, with a peace symbol mounted on it. So it's pretty fascinating, but it's now, I think, in society, it's a pretty safe thing to use. Back in the 1970s, Lucky Strike cigarettes, they tried to, they put the symbol on, with the word peace, on one of the cigarette packages, and that didn't seem very appropriate at the time. But the one I like uh, is here nearby in Napa County. It's called the Annie's Peace Pasta and Parmesan. It's a package of these uh, grains, and but what she, what she did on her package is she wrote a, a brief story about the peace symbol and put out good information about it. And I think that really helps to, to you know to tell the the real story of the peace symbol. I was going to ask you if the peace sign loses some meaning with such ubiquity. Uh, in some cases, and uh, that's why it's important that the story is continually told. And uh, who knows, uh, 50, 100 years from now, what it will stand for. But right now, it's pretty solid. Uh, it means peace. Ken Colesman is the author, along with Michael Sweeney, of the 2008 National Geographic book, Peace, the Biography of a Symbol. Ken Colesman, thanks so much for talking to me today on Peace Talks Radio. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate your calling. For links to Ken Colesman's book and to the Peace Please website featuring the peace symbol merchandise we heard about earlier, where a percentage of the profits go to peace causes, go to our website, peacetalksradio.com, and look for this episode in the 2012 season. Then scroll down to the websites and other resources section of the episode page. There also you'll find some cool newsreel films of the 1958 and 1959 British marches that debuted the peace symbol. Other interesting links and articles as well as partial transcripts from this program, photos, and a whole lot more. All at peacetalksradio.com. You can find all that additional material too from any of our over 100 episodes in the series at the website as well. We're going to close today with an eye ahead to an upcoming episode we'd like to really get your help on. Popular music artists have turned their talents toward the hope for peace at times over the years, and we hope to gather some together in an upcoming Peace Talks radio program and hear some of the stories behind those songs and comments from musicians and music writers. Naturally, songs like John Lennon's Imagine and Give Peace a Chance come to mind. Maybe the Youngbloods get together, Cat Stevens' Peace Train. What are some you can think of? Send us your ideas to this email address, info at peacetalksradio.com. That's info at peacetalksradio.com. Here are a couple of tunes you probably haven't heard from artists you may very well know, though. In a moment, Dr. John with Peace, Brother, Peace. And here, Joe Cocker with One Word, Peace, originally written and performed by the Subdudes. This one seemed like an apt choice for today's show about the peace symbol. Just listen to the words.
stands on the corner holding a sign. People yell at him as they drive by. I wonder what they read that made them so upset. I looked at the sign and all it said, Run away, please. Give me peace in the neighborhood. In my own backyard A man in a foreign land Kneels to pray And wonders where the bombs will fall today How leaders tell me To fear and deceive Love conquers all What I believe One way
no fortune teller Trying to be a nice fella Ain't no astrologer Trying to be a philosopher Ain't no politician Just a one about the world condition Got the doctorate the soul And here's my prescription Dr. John Mac Rebenack with Peace, Brother, Peace. He wrote that song and recorded it in 1973 in the waning years of the Vietnam War. Also, we heard Joe Cocker's version of the subdude's One Word, Peace, on his CD, Hymn for My Soul. Once again, we'll be gathering a whole program of popular artist peace songs in a future episode, so if you have a favorite, email the title to us at info at peacetalksradio.com. That's info at peacetalksradio.com. PeaceTalksRadio.com is our website where you can go to get more detailed information on this or any episode in our series. It's also where you can sign up for a free monthly newsletter or subscribe to our podcast. And importantly, it's where you can also make an any-sized contribution to Good Radio Shows Incorporated, the nonprofit media organization that produces this program independently from your public radio station. So if you think it's a good idea to reserve a slice of the media landscape for talk about peace and conflict resolution, consider a tax-deductible donation. And be sure to let your local radio station know you appreciate hearing Peace Talks Radio on it. All at peacetalksradio.com. Support comes from listeners like you and from the Oppenheimer Brothers Foundation and KUNM at the University of New Mexico. Allie Adelman composed and performs our theme music. For all of us at Peace Talks Radio, I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks for listening to and for supporting Peace Talks Radio. Peace train sounding loud, glide on the peace train. Peace Peace come on peace train. I mentioned Cat Stevens' Peace Train as a great pop peace song before. When the performer known as Cat Stevens started playing music again after many years off, he had changed his name to Yusuf and Peace Train sounded a little different. Here's a bit of that as we say goodbye for this time. There's out on the edge of darkness There rides the Peace Train oh, Peace Train, take this country Come take me home again oh, I've been smiling lately Thinking about the world as one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Someday it's going to come Come take me home again mm-hmm. Come on the peace train Someday it's going to come Come on the peace train mm-hmm. Come take me home again Someday it's going to come Someday it's going to come Someday Someday, someday it's going to come. I've been crying lately, thinking about the world as it is. Why must we go on hate you? Why can't we live in bliss? <laughs>
peace train sounding louder Glide on the peace train Come on peace train Someday it's going to come Come take me home again Someday it's going to come Come on, peace train Take me home again Come take me home Come take me home Take me home again Someday it's going to come Come take me home again Come take me home.